0: Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project, where purpose-driven leaders unite to change the game of life and business forever. Here are your hosts, Susan Hobson and Rob Kalvaroski.
1: Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. On this week's episode, the world's leading expert on change enthusiasm, Cassandra Worthy, joins us to talk about why change initiatives fail, how to leverage emotions in change, and why our fear of change can actually help us grow. Obviously, I've spent around 10 years in heavy industry and I saw countless initiatives fail. The stats actually bear that out. Harvard Business Review says around 70% of change initiatives fail. And on the other side of the equation, one of the top consulting companies in the world has a 30% success rate in digital transformation projects. So we are not getting change right. That's the value of this episode. Cassandra, Susan, and I, we talk about how do we leverage emotions how are emotions so important in changing our mindsets around change, and how our mindsets set us up for continued sustainable growth, continued sustainable change, and allow us to pivot in these moments where maybe we're afraid to go after what we need to do? So, everyone. Definitely listen to this episode. Definitely listen to it twice and take some notes. It's incredibly important, and it will set you up for some success going forward. We at Elite High Performance specialize in building high-impact leaders who turn their teams into happy high performers that achieve their goals. So for all things leadership development, High Performance Mindset Strategies, Psychological Safety, DEI, and more. Head on over to EliteHighPerformance.com to find out more there. Or you can always send me an email, Rob at Elite High Performance. Lastly, Please hit subscribe to Leadership Launchpad Project on your favorite podcast platform and drop us a rating and review as well as share it with any leaders in your life. This episode is so important for us to grow, to be agile and to succeed in our businesses. So definitely hit subscribe and share it with the folks in your life. Thank you so much, so much for listening. And here's the interview. With Cassandra Worthy. We are back. Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project. I'm Rob Kalvarowski. And as always, the Yin to my Yang. We're we're matching in pink today. We Susan did it again. Hobson, Susan, how are you?
0: You know what they say, right? When you show up in the same color with your teammate. it's a reflection of how deep their rapport runs have you ever heard that one
1: i have not heard that one but we are on the same same wavelength this morning and i mean as always we we have to start off with a quote
0: but of course we do
1: and so i got one here from neville goddard and he says you must want to be different before you can change yourself Uh and we'll get to her shortly, but we're talking a lot about change today, and that's the biggest thing, is Uh the desire to go on the journey.
0: Uh I totally agree. You got to activate that why, folks. Got to get down into that heart space. Oh, yeah, that's where that high-performance feel lives, Of course, we're going to riff on all of that today. So let's introduce our guest.
1: Absolutely. And so the world's leading expert on change enthusiasm. So obviously that quote fits home. right? Cassandra Worthy. Cassandra, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you all doing?
2: It's so good to be here.
1: It's incredible to have you. And Cassandra, I heard your interview on the Coaching for Leaders podcast, and you started off talking about manufacturing and change. And for me, I come from, well, mining, but I did some consulting in the manufacturing space. And we have some, actually a fair amount of listeners in that space as well. And the biggest thing that I noticed over my career was the technology would change. Some of the continuous improvement, reliability practices would change. And yet you walk out on the floor and everything seems to be the same. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so before we get into the nuts and bolts of change, let's let's hear your story about Cassandra, like who you are and yeah, where'd you come from? Sure,
2: uh, who I am and where I came from. How
0: long is this conversation? How long have we got? <laughs> as, as long, long as, as we want. need it to be. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you
2: the abbreviated version, the abbreviated version. So yeah, I'm a chemical engineer by trade. Um, I say that in my heart of hearts, I have an insatiable curiosity. And I've had that ever since I was little. And so for me, I gravitated towards science and math because I saw it as arming me with tools to answer so many questions that I had about what I call the mysteries of the universe, right? And so I kind of gravitated into science and math and in turn engineering. So I got my degree at Georgia Tech. I spent some time doing some internships with small research firms, as well as in the consumer packaged goods industry with Procter & Gamble. Loved it, loved the idea of developing something, solving complex problems, and then creating something that I can go see on a shelf at the store and tell people I was a part of making that happen. Uh, so that was really exciting. And plus I just love the culture at Proctor. So I ended up going to work with them uh, full time for several years. I was with Proctor for about 12 or 13 years. Um, and then I got uh, I was in a business that got acquired by Berkshire Hathaway. And so I spent my last three or four years working in corporates uh, with, with Duracell and Berkshire Hathaway. So I spent 15 years working in corporates, um, all things innovation, research and development, as well as a, a short stint there in manufacturing. Uh, And it was a lot of fun. I had a blast. Um, But I also experienced a lot of change in that career, um, which, you know, we'll we'll get into. But I went through a lot of acquisitions um, and feeling that pain, uh, that stress, that frustration, that fear and anxiety that we all feel when we're hit with change that we didn't expect, that we didn't ask for, which happens so much And predominantly in these past couple of years, right? Mm, The world's been turned on its head. So yeah, that was really the seed of inspiration for me to create this growth mindset, this strategy of change enthusiasm, which I'm so grateful now to share with uh, organizations all over the world.
0: Wow. I knew she was going to bring the heat. We were joking about that. (laughs) She hadn't even had her coffee yet, folks. So buckle those seatbelts in case they haven't been buckled yet. I got to ask, Cassandra, this whole enthusiasm aspect of what it is that you focus on, it obviously is totally in alignment with who you are. That's exactly how you showed up right off the jump. Um, But where I want to start for our listeners just to really connect with you on is what does leadership mean to you? Before we start to unpack all of this around enthusiasm.
2: Yeah, of course. So leadership for me is about inspiring the best and the most most authentic light from another. Um, and for me, leadership works from the bottom and the top. So it's serving as a foundation, something that an individual can stand upon to grow, as well as that top of, of the triangle, right? The vision, stating the vision, having clarity of mission, and then allowing that level of inspiration to inspire the best of someone the best leaders that i have worked with have been those that see my truest essence and that can bring out the best of me my core strengths and really leverage those to move a vision or a mission forward that to me is the power of of exceptional
1: leadership i love that and i mean now we got to get into nuts and bolts of change Uh And so it's funny, I was looking it up and and HBR says that 70% of change initiatives don't work, which Mm. backs, I mean, really, from my experience, that's typically true. And even on the other side, one of the big consulting firms, they only have a 30% success rate with their digital transformation initiatives. So Cassandra, I mean, obviously, since you're the expert, like what do companies get wrong about change?
2: Yeah. Uh-huh. So so for me, I believe that change adoption, successful change initiative adoption, and really making that happen across an organization is 10% about the standard blocking and tackling, about the processes, about knowing rules and responsibilities, about making sure the change vision is clear, et cetera. The other 90% to move that change forward is based on the motivation and willingness of the individuals in that organization to adopt the change, mm-hmm. right? Change happens through people. Change happens through people. And so I think too often, and we're seeing it more and more, this, this human-centric change initiatives, human-centric change mm-hmm. efforts. Uh, but that's really what, what it's all about. And, and in my work, in my firm, we've drilled down that level of motivation and understanding that it's really about emotions and belief. It's about emotions and belief uh, and making sure that those beliefs are rooted in wherever you need to go for that change vision to be successful. And then you have the right emotional energy to serve as fuel. And the individuals are armed with a mindset that helps them to transform fears and anxieties and frustrations into that fuel for growth and to adopt that change initiative. So for me, it drills down to the individual, to the human being. And their emotions and that belief.
0: Wow. I knew we were in alignment. <laughs> as soon as I started riffing with you, I could feel it in my gut. <laughs> this is everything we're all about here at the Leadership Launchpad Project. You know, we're mindset brain trainers. That's how we refer to our dream team of coaches here at Team Elite. And so we obviously really get that. Yeah, mindset is what governs the decisions that we make, right? Most of which are completely autopilot. So, if we're not affecting change at that subconscious level first, then I don't really know what that looks like, right? In terms yeah. of getting those people to choose to act or behave in different ways, right? Yeah. So, my question for you, and I think this is going to be really valuable for our audience, right? Because, you know, sometimes people People don't get why we approach leadership from a mindset perspective. So I'm just curious if you ever see that, especially when people are coming to the table desperate for a change. And if so, what is some of the resistance that you see when you start opening up space for them to really do that deeper work in the context Mm. of business?
2: Yeah, of course. So I love, love the question and also love the work that you do. Um, it's so important. Uh, and thank you for elevating it and sharing it with the world. Um, so let me first start just by sharing a little bit about what change enthusiasm is, uh, because it in of itself is a growth mindset. You know, so often when we're going through change, when we're going through disruption, we're told you need to have a mindset of growth. Now yeah. go do that. But so <laughs> seldomly are we, are we taught, what is that? What does a growth <laughs> mindset mean? And so that's really what we're striving for at Change Enthusiasm Global is to share a practical stepped mindset on how to see change as opportunity and how to grow in the face of the most tremendous and, and difficult disruption. So Change Enthusiasm is a three-step mental process, okay? The steps are called the signal, the opportunity, and the choice. The mm-hmm. signal are these really difficult emotions that are inspired when we're hit with change. When we're hit with devastation, with disruption, a role change, losing a job, a new manager, those emotions like fear, like frustration, like anxiety. The first step is about acknowledging those emotions, embracing them, allowing them to exist, and then trusting that they're there to serve you. And once you can have that trust, you can accept the invitation they're presenting you into your opportunity to mm-hmm. grow, to learn, to evolve, to become better that day than you were the day before. And that's the second step, of the opportunity. And mm-hmm. it's in the step really where all of the work happens. You're weighing options. How can I, knowing I'm in a moment of opportunity, how can I maximize this for myself as well as my business and my organization, you know, weighing options. And then that final step, the choice, is where the magic happens. Through the power of choice, we can transform that emotional energy into what I call growth-sustaining emotions of change, transforming anxiety into anticipation. Transforming fear into hope and really transforming that emotional energy that's natural. We are emotional beings, making it become fuel for us to grow, become engaged and inspired to lead and execute through change. So all that being said, when I bring this mindset and associated strategies into businesses, usually the resistance is rooted in fear. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's rooted in fear, right? That I, you're trying to put me in a place where I'm uncomfortable. Uh, I've been doing this the way I've been doing it for the last several years. I do it well. I'm a go-to expert. Why are you trying to change me? Right, and so there's this level of fear of being in that area of discomfort, which is really a high growth zone. Mm -hmm. And so change enthusiasm meets that resistance exactly where it thrives in the fear and teaches that if you're in that fear, if you're feeling those vibrations, then you're being signaled. You're being invited into a moment of opportunity. You can learn, you can grow, you can become a better leader. You can become a better inspiration to those around you as you move through this change. Change never happens to you, it happens for you. Always to serve you, to help you to evolve to your best self.
0: Ah, I knew it, I knew it, I called it.
1: (laughs) Now you know why I invited her on.
0: (laughs) I see it, I totally see it. So where I want to go next is just really thinking about enthusiasm itself. You know, like when we're approaching mindset, we work a lot on the power of state, which is everything that you just riffed on, right? In regards to the change process itself, it really requires that you have the ability to channel the right types of emotions that are governing those decisions, which yes, folks do come from your beliefs. So I want to just break this down in terms of, yeah, this whole state of enthusiasm, because I kind of feel like that is one that is, yeah, it's kind of missing in a lot of corporate contexts. I'm going to try to be nice in the way that I frame that, right? (laughs) But (laughs) so I just am curious if we could break that down a little bit more specifically, right? Like in terms of some of those strategies that you play with um, to really just help them to find that enthusiasm? Like what are those belief systems that a leader has to really work on developing?
2: Yeah. So let me start by giving all the listeners a break. It's not easy <laughs> and True. it True. takes practice. It takes yeah. practice. So this, and this is what I tell everyone, this change enthusiasm mindset, it is a growth cycle. Um, yeah. I believe that we are not born being hugely resilient individuals. I think mm-hmm. that it really has to be grown over time. And you do that through the practice of experiencing big change, experience big disruption, big devastation, and ultimately through practicing this mindset, right? It's not mm-hmm. a matter of doing step one, two, and three. And then, okay, I'm a change enthusiast. Any change that comes my way, I'm going to be enthusiastic about it. Mm-hmm. it right? You got to practice this in the face of every signal emotion. And you make revolutions, you know, going through these these steps, one, two, and three, living through a change or going through multiple changes. And the enthusiasm really is a byproduct of you rewiring the chemistry of your brain, forming new synapses so that when you feel that signal emotion, I know I'm going to trust I'm in a moment of opportunity. Something's about to happen for me that's good. I'm about to learn. I'm about to grow. And that's when you can start making those choices to transform that energy. But it takes Mm -hmm. practice because you literally have to rewire the chemistry of your brain, which which takes time, right? It's about building any level of habit, right? They say, what, it takes 30 days for you Mm -hmm. to actually make something habitual. That's right. The same goes with a growth mindset. The same goes with that. Um, And so, yeah, you have to practice it on a consistent basis. It's a cycle. It's not a one and done. The more that you can practice it, you'll be building that level of resiliency. And that's when the enthusiasm becomes more prevalent. I'm not saying that the signal emotions go away. They never do. I still get my signal emotions. Every time I get them, it's like, oh, I'm being invited into a moment of opportunity. This sucks right now, but I know I'm about to grow somehow. And so I find ways to start transforming that energy a little bit at a time to get me to some enthusiasm.
1: What I want to talk about, Cassandra, like obviously we want to invite emotions in and accept them for what they are. And I know like for me, especially like Susan knows this, even opening that up was unsafe and felt very weird and awkward and (laughs) obviously it's not just me like we have lots of folks out there who they've been told like hey you know there's no place for emotions in business or there's no place for emotions if you're a man or a woman or in this context or that context like how do you start opening up emotions with people
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So first off, I will say, and I've said it several times on many different platforms and and media outlets, that when we leave emotion at the door of business, we are leaving humanity at the door of business. We are emotional beings. As Brene Brown says, Mm -hmm. first, we are emotional beings. And second, we think a little right? We're not cognitive <laughs> beings, we're emotional beings. And so it's important to know that, that humanity, if you're having human beings work in your business, emotion is going to come with that. Emotional energy is going to come with that and an infinite well of them too, right? We, we're we all tapped in and we have an infinite amount of that emotional energy. So that's that's number one. The other thing is I would invite the individual to have that level of courage and vulnerability to share those emotions. And much of the tools and what we teach uh, at the firm invites you into strategies and ways of practicing and sharing uh, that emotion. But you know, it's up to the individual to show that courage and that vulnerability, and then the leaders in the organization to invite that, to welcome it. And even then themselves adding that level of vulnerability, sharing their own emotional energy and letting folks know that it's okay. Acknowledge it, let it be. Because once you talk about it and have some strategy behind it, that emotional energy turns into your fuel, turns into your movement going forward. Um, And the other thing that I think is so ironic about businesses saying, leave emotion at the door, is that so many businesses and brands are rooted in emotion, right? We are trying for the best brands in the world. They evoke emotion. They evoke joy. They evoke awe. Um, they evoke, there's, there's emotional energy that's associated with those brands. And so it's like you want to invite that in your customers and your clients, but then you tell your employees <laughs> to leave emotion at the door. It's, it's incongruent. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm happy to see, I think it's one of the benefits of the pandemic is that it's beginning to be antiquated, to think that emotional energy doesn't exist in the workplace or shouldn't exist in the workplace. Um, and I'm grateful to now work in this space And to build off the momentum of these mindset shifts that are happening because of what we've experienced uh, and the trauma we've experienced
0: in this pandemic. Oof, I feel like that's where we got to go next. I can't even imagine. I imagine, actually, that your phone has been ringing off the hook over the last <laughs> two years like ours. Rightfully,
2: <laughs> yes. Gratefully, yes. I,
0: exactly. With so much gratitude um, mm-hmm. that we were so fortunate to be able to show up in service to what people were navigating. I mean, this clearly has been. One of the largest disruptions I feel like any of us have ever had to experience. And it wasn't even a moment of disruption, there was an endurance here. Okay. You know, we've been talking about pandemic fatigue a lot up here north of the border because we've had more lockdowns, I think, than anywhere on the damn planet. <laughs> so, but I love this because this is exactly where we hit the ground running. It's why we launched the show, right, buddy? Um, it was our core belief, really, that drove us to make that decision, uh, which is that adversity is just the opportunity for growth, dressed up and disguised as adversity, right? Yeah. And this really pulls from the neuroscience around AQ, right? That adversity quotient, which really is a metric for so many different things, but mostly resiliency. So you ripped on it a second ago when you were talking about being the victor, not the victim. I feel like that's a very critical thing for all leaders to really be understanding right now as they're trying to lead their people through all that disruption. But what are you seeing in the work that you've been doing over the the last two years? Has I mean, the way I want to ask it is, where do you see the biggest opportunity for growth in buried in this adversity over the last two years of the pandemic?
2: So what I will say, and I've seen kind of a slow shift in and what I'm hearing from clients, the requests that I'm getting, and then the value that I'm beginning to underline in, in what we bring. So when we first started out, you know, clients would come to us pre-pandemic that we're going through a big acquisition, we're going through a big digital transformation, uh, we need some help because there's this big change event that's happening and we need to make sure our employees have a growth mindset and are resilient. Uh, and now I'm beginning to hear because people are accepting that steady disruption is our new status quo.
1: Mm, It is the status quo. I love that.
2: Steady disruption. There will always be change. There will always be a need for agility, for resilience Mm -hmm. in order to remain competitive, right? So now it's more like, how do we arm the organization with tools so that we can remain change ready? Mm -hmm. Um, And prior to the pandemic, I talked about change readiness and agility as a byproduct of practicing and integrating change enthusiasm throughout an organization. And now it's kind of front and center. Right. When you can get this mindset in the core of your, of your organization and one of the, the values of, of the business, you create a more resilient and change-ready organization, embracing that emotions are going to exist, that there might be fear, there might be anxiety when new change, when new disruption happens, but that invites us all into an opportunity. And it's up to us as individuals to choose how we grow, how we navigate through that. Um, and so that's one of the things that I'm beginning to hear back from my client base. And I'm so excited. To now really underline front and center that this is about change readiness. You have mm. to remain agile. All of the individuals in your organization need to have a way to navigate and reach fulfilled growth when going through change because it's going to happen. It's going to happen, right?
0: Yeah, it's like being an athlete, is how I think about that, right? Is like you sure. got to have that expectation, that anticipation, right? We call it yes. with the head on the swivel in hockey, right? It's like keeping an eye <laughs> on all the changes that are happening so rapidly around you that you need to be able to read and respond to. And that's really what we're breaking down here. How does this connect to innovation? Because I know we're talking about just being able to navigate the disruption itself without mm-hmm. being triggered into fight or flight in our amygdalas or at right. least staying mm-hmm. there. Cause I think that's a natural response, just like you said, a second ago, but mm-hmm. Let's take this one step further, since we're trying to inspire our leaders to go on this journey, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Where's the connection between everything that we just riffed on and innovation?
2: Yeah. So the nature of innovation is rooted in change, right? You're moving from something that people have known to something new and different, but that's better or more efficient or more delightful, right? Mm -hmm. So it's rooted in change. And so I think all of this is still very, very relevant. Um, And I think that, it will invite you into that being daring, being bold, and putting yourselves out there to push the boundaries, to push the limits. And knowing that as you're testing, as you're doing those experiments, if you feel some concern, you feel some fear, then know that that's yet an opportunity for you to keep moving, for you to pivot, uh, for you to iterate and just just keep going. Um, but yeah, for me, innovation is really, it's change-based, right? It's introducing change into the market, into an industry. And the quicker that you can do that, the mm-hmm. more, you know, the, the better your business is, is going to be. So getting that innovation cycle moving requires agility and resilience and all of your innovators and really all of the individuals working on your innovation platforms.
1: She said her favorite heard. word, iterate. I
2: noticed. <laughs> Shout I've out to Corey. I've so many iterations.
1: Yes. I love that. Now, Cassandra, I I want to ask you this because like, obviously, sometimes folks land in this spot where they very much feel like the, the, mm-hmm. we're going to continue doing this because it's the way we've always done it. Like, mm-hmm. I've heard that so much in mm-hmm. my career. And then the other side of it is there are folks out there that they've tried to do something new and basically they've been shut out by the organization and they kind yeah. of learned helplessness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you get those folks to start changing their beliefs to like move them back into like, hey, let's go after this.
2: Yeah, that's so funny. Um, I love that you asked that question. it's It's so relevant for some work that I'm doing with with a client now. Um I start with the leadership team. <laughs> and as high as I can go on the executive level, you know, you talk about belief um, and this concern or this fear that's rooted in if I try to do this, Uh, it's going to be met with resistance or no one's going to listen. And so I might as well just keep doing the things that I've always been doing. And that fear, that belief can be rooted in one of two things. One is a perception of something that isn't real, but it's something that we're putting to be real in our minds, a perception. The other is actual data, right? So I've tried seven different times to bring new ideas. Every time it was refuted by my leadership, it was not embraced, no one said anything. So, you know, I'm going to quit trying to do this. So one of two things. And so for me, it's really about around getting clarity on which of those two things are true. Do you actually have a culture that is promoting this level of kind of complacency and doing things the way they always done them because you are pushing down new ideas and not accepting and welcoming that? Or is it truly based on individual perception? So you got to tease those two out. But I say I start with the highest level of leadership so that you can instill the type of culture that inspires the best of individuals and that you have structures and systems in place that when new ideas come, something can be done about them so that individuals know my idea was heard uh, there was some type of analysis, or something happened, and I know the reason that it wasn't accepted. But that's okay because I can try again because I know I got this system and this culture that invites my entrepreneurial spirit, and I can present these ideas uh, as many times as, as, as I as I like. Um, so yeah, it's important that you instill that culture of inspiring those best ideas and the authenticity from every individual, um, and you know it starts with leaders to role model that behavior because as individuals in the organization see the behavior, it's nurturing belief. It's nurturing belief. Um, and so, yeah, that, that role model behavior is important.
0: I feel like that's where we got to go next with her, right? Is just like where I want, I want our leaders to have a really clear picture of how they can hit the ground running because they're so enthusiastic listening (laughs) to this show and they are ready for change. But, You know, we're talking about a lot of different components to this. So where do leaders start if they want to create a culture of growth? What is your tip there? Start here.
2: And I'm pointing to my chest if y'all can't see me. Start with you. Exceptional leadership and influence through change starts with you. Taking care of yourself, time for self-care, time for personal Mm -hmm. development, time for your own personal growth so you can show up the best that you can for your for your leaders. And then thinking about how can you then give back to those individuals. So a lot of our training programs and content is, is very individually focused, though we have content that's tailored for leaders. So we talk about the power of communication. We talk about that being hungry and self-care and, and giving back to yourself, putting your gas mask on first, as they say. Uh, We talk about being your authentic self, bringing your full light, because when you do that, you inspire others around you to do the same. We talk about the importance of not being rigid, understanding conscious and unconscious biases, uh, getting outside of your growth zone, even with things outside of work, something that's going to help you build that muscle memory. For me, it's been yoga over these past couple of years, literally stretching myself outside of my zone. But in doing so, I build a muscle memory so that in my work, if I'm faced with something new and different and I feel that level of discomfort, I remember, hey, I've experienced this before and I didn't die. It was all good. Um, So thinking about that agility as well as empathy. Um, Empathy, I think, is one of the most powerful tools that we have, especially when leading through change that can be really emotionally charged. And simply listening, holding space for those individuals on your teams, knowing that they are not alone that they are valued, and that you're there to support them. Um, and so I would say, look out for you first. Make sure you have time on your calendar to pour into you, whether that be self-care, whether that be training, webinars, you know, what have you. And then provide that level of, of space and listening for your teams and, and your employees, knowing that you are there to support them. They are heard, they are understood, and they are valued.
1: I feel like we could end there. <laughs> that was perfect.
0: It's just so aligned with what we are on this show every week trying to make a case for. It's Yuck. so aligned with the conversations oh, we've been in the trenches having with our leaders over the last two years.
2: Yes. ethnicity. So I love it. I I just
0: amen to all that. So (laughs) what are your your top three? I have to ask because you are so on it and you got this wealth of knowledge in and around this whole concept of mindset in leadership, right? So what are your top three favorite leadership strategies as it Mm -hmm. pertains to some of these themes that we're talking about today? Yeah.
2: So I would have to say number one is empathy, Um, uh, practicing that, making it a point, being very intentional around practicing that. Uh, The other thing that I would say is around intent versus impact and striving to make those congruent as best you can. And I say what lies between intent and impact is a choice, is a choice. And Of course, those factors outside of ourselves that we have no control over. I know we've all been in those those situations where we've had the best intentions and the impact has been horrible, uh, and there's factors that we can't control. How people respond, how people react, we can't control that. But we can learn from it. We can learn from it. Uh, and That brings me to the third, which is curiosity. Remaining curious. Remaining curious about those around us to understand where their passions lie, what they're curious about, where their strengths lie. And then remaining curious about us. You know, I I firmly believe that you can't share your full authentic light if you don't know you, right? Authenticity is rooted in the truest essence of you. And it's a little bit fluid because we do grow and evolve and change over time. But some aspects of us don't. And so you've got to get curious about you to learn you so that you can bring that full authentic light. And again, invite that uh, in in front of others. So I would say empathy, understanding that choice lies between intent and impact and strive to learn and be curious to have that intent match that impact as frequently as you can. And like I said, the third one is curiosity. Be curious about you. Be curious about those around
1: you. I love that. Now, Cassandra, who are you?
0: Oh, I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> who am I? What do you oh! <laughs> The big guns.
1: <laughs>
0: Say, what do you mean by that?
1: Say more. Who am I? Yeah. You said you're curious about yourself before you can be curious about others. Like, how would you describe who is Cassandra?
2: That's such a good question. And I've never been asked that before.
1: <laughs> wow.
2: Uh, at least oh. not in, in this type of context, right? right. Look at Rob. Rob doing a fist, fist, pump, pump, fist pump. That's what <laughs> we do <laughs> in sports <laughs> when, we, when uh, we score goals. Right? I love this because you don't let me talk about uh, the divine energy that flows through all of us. So yes. I see Cassandra as a vessel. Um, as a vessel of light and of divine energy that I feel all of us as vessels have a tap into. And my work, my job is to keep that tap as wide open as I possibly can. Um, And I believe that that energy flowing, it speaks to us through our emotional energy. It speaks to us through intuition. Um, And honestly, it was my intuition that, you know, once I got sober, I've been sober for, uh, it would be eight years in November. In sobriety, that intuition became from a whisper to a shout that there's something bigger, there's something better that you could be doing with your gifts and talents to make the world a better place. And so it was that intuition, having let that that tap stay wide open, that got me into what I do today, which I know and trust is the reason that this vessel is on this planet now. Uh, And I'm so grateful to be able to live on purpose every day um, and keep that tap wide open. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a vessel. I'm a vessel of, of energy and, and my mission is to share that energy as big and as brightly with the world to inspire itself from another.
0: I'm so happy you asked that question. Look at that. That is such a, that is where we start, right? As leaders, (laughs) but the model carries the most weight. And Rob and I see people rumbling with that. Who am I question so much that I kind of feel like, yeah. Sometimes I just got to let it rip. Right. And dip <laughs> down into my self-concept and just let it through in the context of those conversations. So thank you for being so vulnerable. And of so course. thank you awkwardly. for asking that question. Okay.
2: You got me lit up now. This
0: is nice. <laughs> but, that's, but that's some of what I want our listeners to really connect with. Right. Is the energy of authenticity. Mm -hmm. Like it gives me the chills when I hear somebody riffing from that deep a space of alignment and congruency in terms of who they were made to be. Yes, for me,
2: there's nothing more inspiring. So often I'm asked, Cassandra, who inspires you? Who do you Mm. look up to? And for me, it is someone who is comfortable in their own skin, shining their authentic light unabashedly. And so I always talk about my favorite baristas. Uh, down the street at my favorite coffee house in Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. They are themselves all the time. Uh, and it's it's a beautiful thing. So anytime I see somebody living in their authentic light and sharing that, that is what inspires me because it's what I aspire to do each and every day. So yeah, it's it's a great inspiration.
0: It's a it's phenomenal. I think this mission is so freaking important. This is when the world needs authenticity more than ever. I mean, globally, we've all been united, right? Yeah, For the first totally. time ever, we're on the same damn playing field. And I kind yeah. of feel like, as we're talking about navigating all of that, and how difficult and challenging growth and change can be, then I kind of feel like, yeah, do we really have all that excess bandwidth to waste, try to show up in our armor and try right. to like, control how we present ourselves to the world being authentic that's why I say letting it rip yeah. right no it's way. like it's again from sports like that's how you trip the switch on the flow state yeah. that's yeah. how you get the read on the play and you're able to be so agile in your learning your development your leadership and your work so you thought that was a big question This is like the the bigger gun. Oh, she's loaded up. I see you. (laughs) Buckle your seatbelt now, Cassandra. We just told our audience to do so. But um, yeah, what do you want the legacy of all this incredibly inspiring, game-changing work that you're doing in the world to be? Yeah, I want the mission to live on and out loud.
2: And the mission is to nurture the resilience and adaptability of humanity to inspire emotionally self-aware and conscious leadership through change, uh, to nurture and enable the type of change that makes this world a more inclusive and more sustainable place for all, uh, and to, as I'm still here, be the change that contributes to our collective liberation. Um, So that's my four-pronged mission, those three, when I transition is what I want the legacy to be. I want what I create, the foundation, everything that, that comes, comes forward to live that mission on for years and years and years and years, and years to come.
1: Uh, I love it. And Cassandra, you're a superstar. And if anyone out there wants to find more about you connect with you, obviously, you have a few TED talks out there, they can check those out just Cassandra worthy on YouTube, and you can find them. Where else can they find you?
2: Uh, best if you have a booking request or, or want to partner with, with me and the firm, cassandraworthy.com is the best place to find that. Uh, as well as connecting with me directly, go to LinkedIn. Uh, it's usually my most active, personally active uh, social media platform. I'm also on Instagram, I'm also on Facebook. We have a community of about 15,000. We are change enthusiasts on Facebook, uh, as well as uh, Instagram, Cassandra Worthy Speaker. I also tweet. Every now and again, um, but uh, I love LinkedIn because that's that's where my partners are, that's where my clients are, um, and so it's it's good to find me there.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll drop those links in the podcast notes. Obviously, we're <laughs> I'm a LinkedIn guy. I don't use the other ones, so I get you. Yeah, that that's the way it is here at the LLP. Obviously, for us, if you're hit, subscribe to Leadership Launchpad Project on your favorite podcast platform. And if you have any leaders that are going through change, which hopefully is everybody, share this podcast with them because they can take so much from it. And for everything else, mindset, leadership development, DEI, and more, head on over to EliteHighPerformance.com. Susan, is there anything you'd like our listeners to take from this episode?
0: Yeah, if you were struggling to make a case for all this leadership 2.0 stuff that Rob and I have been preaching about for the last two years, um, I kind of feel like, are you still struggling after listening to Cassandra? Maybe your, your earphones or your mic is broken because, yeah, that model carried so much weight today. You really did an amazing job of exemplifying just how important understanding mindset is so that you can... Really like learn how to cultivate those types of emotions that infect people with your big ideas. It is so much harder to do so when you are not at the helm, folks. So I'm just so grateful. My cup runneth over. Thank you, Cassandra, for bringing the heat. My absolute pleasure. And thank you to the listeners. I appreciate y'all.
1: Thank you. And it was incredible interview. And for me, where I want to land is Where Cassandra landed on who she is. And through my journey, I started to realize who I am. And it was, it became, I am him, I am. And yesterday it became, we are. We are in this moment having an incredible conversation. We are in this moment connected with the three of us and everybody who's listening out there. And we are the change that we can desire in the world. Mm -hmm. We just need to go make it happen. Cassandra, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: My honor and pleasure. Best to all of you.
1: Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Obviously, we're going to have to book Cassandra again <laughs>
0: to mm-hmm. go deeper. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. I do it. I my do it. Mind. <laughs> And so
1: absolutely, we're going to do that. Susan, thank you. Everybody, thank you. And we'll see you all next week.
0: Bye, everyone.